0: Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 253. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of Miss Marvel episode three, Destined, directed by Mira Menon, with a teleplay by Freddie Cyborn and AC Bradley and Matthew Chauncey, story by Freddie Cyborn. This series was created for television by K Ali and Miss Marvel is a Kevin Feige production. Before we begin our spoiler review, Want to let you know about Fan Show Plus, which is available exclusively to premium subscribers at Patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. That is where you can hear us talk about extra MCU news and also do spoiler reviews of things that are outside the MCU, like the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that has just wrapped up over on Disney+. Plus. We will, of course, have a spoiler review of that finale out very soon, so make sure you check that out again at Patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Or if you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus on Apple Podcasts, you can find it and subscribe there. And make sure you're following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman?
1: I'm doing okay. It's been a kind of a crazy, crazy weekend, but uh I'm hanging in there. I just with Kenobi and with uh this Marvel, I just it's just so hard, man, to 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 make time my life. It's just been kind of crazy lately. It's gonna settle down, I think, a little bit better now, a little more now. But uh last couple of weeks were a little bit uh a little bit crazy in the Herman household. But uh things are I think finally settling down and uh just be able to enjoy the thing, and, and I just want to just complain again about this, the fact that I have to compete with Kenobi and Miss Marvel because I know Disney must have some kind of reason for doing this, whatever. But it just bums me out because I really want to give Miss Marvel my full undivided attention, and it's just so hard when I have like one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time. Just, you know, putting out the these, these, these season, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, whether you like it or not. But I love I love the season of the series of Kenobi. And it just sucks because I don't want to make Miss Marvel the, the secondary thing. And it's I really because I really want to get into it. But it's hard because it's just, you know, I just. It's, yeah, it's, it's just hard to get kind of get get not into it. That's not what I want to say, but it's just hard to give it time and give it the, the attention that I, w- I really want to give it. If that makes sense. Um, as far as, you know, for for me and to kind of get into the, you know, the the comic books and things like that. It just sucks. I'm like, man, I just because Kenobi has just been consuming so much of my time. I mean, the Sogan Continues guys, we did like a three hour podcast on the last <laughs> or four. Hours, they did, I left eventually. I think it kept going for all like the last three episodes. And I'm just like, man, it's just, it just stinks. I just wish that I could like sit down and really just give Miss Marvel some attention, which I'm I'm actually very thankful that Kenobi has ended in that regard that I can really focus on this series because I've been, we'll talk obviously a lot about it here, but this has been surprisingly really, really good. And I, and I say surprisingly not in, a, I think a, I want to say in a negative way. I expected it to be solid but I've been surprised with how much I've been really enjoying every episode. It just seems to get better and better for me. So I'm thankful Kenobi's ending, so I can really dive deep into the series finally now.
0: Yeah, you got a whole half of the season left to go for Miss Marvel, and I I too share that thing not not the focus thing. I'm I'm okay focusing on Miss Marvel and and Kenobi at the same time, but I, I certainly. Well, the biggest thing for me is I I still just want Friday episode drops. That's my number one goal for Disney Plus is to get back to new episodes dropping on Fridays. Don't think it's ever going to happen, so I'll just be an old man yelling at that cloud. But um, I mean, I I think the goal for Disney Plus should be to have... It's tough because the goal should be that they have multiple big series running at the same time so that more subscribers are on the service and and spending more time on the service and not necessarily going to their competitors and all of that, all that makes a ton of sense. I I think where I land on it is not so much my ability to uh, juggle my attention back and forth between these two different series. It's just that, you know, we do have big stretches of time where we don't have a, a really big original series on Disney plus. So it seems like they could spread the spread these things out where, all of the calendar yeah. or more of the weeks on the calendar are covered with these flagship originals, um, so that way we don't have as much downtime. But they've gotten a lot better at that this year. I mean, not that much time between the end of Book of Boba Fett and then Moon Knight, and then getting into Kenobi and Miss Marvel. And, of course, this will wrap up, and not long after that, we're going to have She-Hulk and Andor. So there are more weeks covered on the calendar. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the ultimate goal, though, it should be that There's a great Star Wars series and a great Marvel series running simultaneously on on Disney Plus, and also great series that don't necessarily have anything to do with Marvel or Star Wars. But anyway, we will press on with this Miss Marvel spoiler review. And I really like this episode. Of course, I've been a big fan of the first two episodes, as you all who've been listening to the podcast the past couple weeks have heard. And I feel like this one was yet another step up. I mean, it just feels like from episode to episode, this series, which started off so strong and i think has one of the best two episode starts of any disney plus series marvel or star wars just continues to improve upon that here in this third episode where i thought it had it did a great job of capturing the fun and you know the young spirited vibe of this character in this world and all of that that works so well but man did they lay it on thick with the heart in in this one this was like the sappy not sad very special episode like episode 5 of WandaVision But the very special episode, just really touching moments between uh, parents and kids in the Khan family that I I really dug. And then also doing a lot of things to begin to explain the nature of Kamala Khan, her powers, the history with her family and where she comes from. And we get a pretty good hint at at where that's going when we open up this episode in a flashback in British-occupied India in 1942. And we come upon some characters looking for not one, because we've only seen one so far, but they were actually looking for two bangles, and it's supposed to be two of them that will get them back home. We don't know exactly where. They find only one. It is on a severed arm. That severed arm is blue, which may be important. Also, Easter egg there that mm. I'm sure many Marvel fans spotted. Uh, there are 10 rings on the ground of this, uh, of this area that they are finding this bangle and the two main characters that we're introduced to here, Najma, who will be, uh, of course, a key figure in this episode and as the series goes on, but also Aisha, the great-grandmother of Kamala Khan, whom we started hearing about last week. And she has, when she puts on the one bangle that they've found, she has a reaction very similar to what we saw from Kamala Khan at AvengerCon a couple of weeks ago. But as the soldiers are coming in, they decide to split up, and then we'll find out later that Najma and Aisha have never seen each other again since that moment that we were introduced to in 1942. So let's look at this before we go through and, and get all the all the other details that we're going to get about these characters late and their relation to Kamala Khan and exactly what she is, which will be later on in the episode. Just looking at what we see here... There's no Kree that get mentioned at any point later on in this episode. But as we've seen in the comic books, as we've also seen in the MCU with Ronan being the most famous example. So we do see this blue severed arm, which may have nothing to do with the Kree at all, but it also could um, if the Kree are Mm -hmm. somehow going to be involved in this. Uh, Maybe that was a member of the Kree who had at least one bangle, uh, the one that was on the severed arm that they found there. And they believe, of course, that the British already must have taken, found and taken the other one, and so we don't know the location of that second bangle. You could, um, you would imagine, though, that we are eventually going to find it at some point uh, over the course of this series. But I really thought this was an intriguing flashback opening that I liked, and even if the blue arm was kind of more of a red herring for Cree than to set up what's revealed about the djinn and everything later, I'm fine with that because it's just building the intrigue and the mystery around it. Um, so I thought this was an effective opening, and also uh, a good job of introducing us to Aisha, a character that we heard a lot about last week and only begin to get to know here because we don't see her again for the rest of the episode.
1: I I love this beginning. I just want to say I love what Marvel Studios is doing with the origin of of Miss Marvel. It's so different, and it just feels it just feels better. Than what we've got in the comics, you know, I I, I do I do like that original those original uh, like what six eight issues whatever um, of the original Miss Marvel run, but the characters always just seem kind of flat to me, just because it never seem very interesting and just kind of I don't know just afterwards and what they're doing here with I think just integrating different ideas, and the power cause con- I've never been into her powers per se just never never was never in, super intrigued by it I like the idea. As far as for kids, you know, the connected kids, because kids love to get, you know, you know, have the dream of becoming biggest buildings or, you know, having giant fists and whatever. But I love what they're doing with the origin of this of this character in the MCU because it just it just feels better to me. I just it, there's more it's more interesting. There's more intrigue behind it. And I think there's just some I just really like what they're doing with that. And I the whole idea with the with the the blue hand and arm, whatever. I I definitely think that there's there's a callback to that or something. I I definitely do. I think there's going to be something how the Kree are are involved in some way. How deeply, I don't know, but it's going to come back to at some point. Those bands are going to be some kind of – there are some kind of space thing that that goes before the clandestine or whatever we're going to be introduced to. I do feel that there there is going to be a connection. I don't know how deep it's going to run, but I do feel there's going to be some kind of connection – I keep going back to the quantum bands. I think that they could be related to them somehow. And if you go back to like the uh, you know the tesseract slash the cosmic cube, you know that's a great example of something that Marvel kind of took the idea of the cosmic cube and then turned it into a little bit something else, and then kind of combined some different things, and then obviously turned that into a uh, you know a, a you know infinity gem and all and so on, you know whatever so on and so on. So. I kind of feel that's where we're going to go with it. And I'm into it. But the the beauty part, the best part of this, Sean, is that I don't know. And that's what I like about the series is that it's like, they took a very basic origin. which wasn't terrible in the comics, but they're making it better. And I, am going to say that right now. It's, this is way more interesting and better than we got in the comics bar nut. And I loved this whole beginning, there's intrigue. It just, it's stuff like, this is the stuff I love about, um, a deep mythology like a Marvel or a Star Wars or whatever, Star Trek, whatever you want to do. That's for you, Chris Clow. Um, you know, it's like, this is, I wanted something that's going to be tied into the mythology that I'm, that I love. And, and the stuff that I, you know, love to watch and and learn about. And that's what it is. And that's what you do with that little intrigue of the arm. So, I'm into it. I loved all of this. This is this great stuff that Marvel. I think it was a great introduction into these uh, this mystery that we're introduced to in this episode.
0: Yeah, and I think this is part of what's making it more of a mythology, right? Because I feel like as much as I I love and I've exactly spoken about those original Miss Marvel comics quite a bit over the years on the podcast, and such a huge huge fan of them. But I wasn't a huge I was a huge fan because of Kamala Khan and her family and her friends and her experience and all of that stuff. But as far as how she got her powers and where that came from, it was more just a product of that moment in time, in story and outside of the story for Marvel publishing. And it didn't really have as much to do with her and her world. It was just, this is what's happening in the overall Marvel, uh, Marvel world at the time. And so that's what we're going to go with right now, because it's the most convenient thing we have to create a new superhero. But yeah, I think what they're doing here on the Disney Plus series is even better because it's taking the best parts are certainly what I felt were the best parts of those comics and then adding adding to it and really building a mythology around it. And I very much uh, appreciated the way that they've done that. And you know, part of the reason I think the Kree speculation, I, I think it comes from not only the Inhuman connection in the comic books, but even moving forward into the MCU, right? Because Kree is all about Captain Marvel's world and we know there's an intersection coming up with Carol Danvers and Kamala Khan in the Marvels, if we don't get a Carol Danvers cameo at some point in this series, which I totally would not rule out. So I think it's all of those things combined that kind of drive that. But also, it may have nothing to do with the Kree. Um, maybe it will, maybe it won't. We'll see as we go, as we press on. But for right now, that's not how it's being explained to us when we do catch up with everybody in the present day. And Najma is hosting. Uh, Kamala and saying that, yes, yeah, she hasn't seen Aisha since that moment that we just witnessed from 1942. And these characters have been around for a long, long time because they really doesn't look like they've aged very much in the past 80 years. And uh, we're also finding out that uh, Kamran, however, really is 17. And thankfully, this mystery woman from episode two is Najma, not Aisha. So there is no relation between Kamala Khan and no gross age difference between Kamala Khan And uh, Kamran, so their romance can still uh, endure. But we find out the history of these characters. They were exiled from another dimension, uh, the Noor dimension. They are called the Clandestines, uh, but they are also known on Earth, have been known by many names, including the Djinn. They have limited powers in this dimension. They can't tap into the Noor power from the Noor dimension, which is the light that Kamala Khan is able to wield. They can't quite tap into that while they are in our dimension. Um, but it is just that bangle that Kamala Khan has that has the power to send them home. But there is some risk involved. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because we do get a little more exposition about the gin later on in the story when uh, Yusuf goes to the Circle Q and sees Bruno to get some synthetic fruit pies because that syntheticness is what he loves so much. And I, I think I, many of us can relate, um, including Bobby Hill, who likes fruit pies. Not that anybody else is going to remember a King of the Hill reference. But anyway, I'll press on. So Yusuf translates some of what uh, Bruno finds in in Urdu about the legend of the djinn. They are supernatural beings from pre-Islamic folklore. They've been known as genies, as demons. And there is uh, a story of a hidden group that were exiled from their home world, damned to live out their days uh, in our very own universe, our very own dimension. And it is told that a primordial power would be needed to get them home, which is part of what Najma is referring to when she is speaking with Kamala Khan in this present day scene. So that's what we know about the djinn so far. And I, I think before we get the full on turn that we see at the end of the episode, I think it's kind of expected I mean, it seemed kind of aggressive in the visions of Najma kind of reaching for the bangle that Kamala Khan had, so that wasn't necessarily... It doesn't come out of left field that these characters turn on Kamala Khan, Um, although I would say strategically they turn a little too fast, but more on that when we get to that moment later on in the episode. Um, But this is the mythology that we're building around this, And, and Kamala Khan is a descendant of someone, Aisha, who came from this other dimension... The Nord dimension, and this is not something, unless this has factored into more uh, recent Miss Marvel comic books that I'm not caught up on, which maybe is true. Um, but this is not this is a change from the origin. But as I said, it's a change that I am in favor of because, as like I was saying before, this is giving Miss Marvel Kamala Khan more of a mythology around her and her powers and her abilities, and making it more specific to her, her lineage. All of those things, I think, just really enrich the story of Kamala Khan and the story around Kamala Khan, uh, which I thought was really, really interesting. And then it also speaks to just the level of power that's at stake here, because what we've seen in the series so far, fairly limited power set from Kamala Khan. It's effective, and it definitely qualifies her as a superhero, but what they're teasing here is that the power that she has could be much, much more, especially if she ends up working with a second Bengal because there's another one that's out there. But all of these things, building a mythology around Kamala Khan in this series and the way they've introduced it here in the story so far, uh, all of this stuff I was really liking a lot.
1: Yeah, this was something that I we, we talked a lot about, and I was very curious how they're going to go about with the bingo and, and, and everything and, and what, what, you know, what, what they're going to go with. And we, I talked a lot about, you know, Cree tie-ins, which I think is still on the table. Um, but I didn't know if they're going to go full on, maybe use Miss Marvel to do an inhuman thing. I didn't think so. I felt that that probably would have been a little more foreshadowed in some ways. Um, not Dr. Strange, obviously excluded. <laughs> um, but that being said, um, yeah, it was, I was surprised. I remember I had heard a brief rumor, and I just kind of, again, with most rumors of anything that I love, like Marvel and, and everything, I just kind of try to, if I see something, I usually just kind of just get, get it out of my brain as soon as possible, and I usually forget about it, because life is insane. And the weird thing is, when it happened, I went, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that. And I, and the only reason why I knew who Clandestine is, is because back in the 90s, Sean, uh, this was actually something written created by Alan Davis. I remember the the art. The art is totally, I, I identifiable immediately when I walk when I, when I see it. I'm like, oh, that's that's Alan Davis. Alan Davis is a UK uh, writer, um, or excuse me, artist, and uh, he, he did a lot of work on Excalibur, and so amongst a million other things like Batman and everything. So anyway, um, he made a nineties comic that I actually thought was part of the nineties UK line. I don't, I don't don't know if you remember that back in the day, like death's head and things like that, just really Mm. random stuff. But it actually wasn't, it was actually part of the Marvel, um, main Marvel line Mm. that they were kind of launching with it. And I never, I never got onto it. Um, it didn't last very long. Um, but the art is—I mean, I, I just, yeah, I never went into it because just never, you know, it's, you know, I was broke as a kid, so it was, you know, buying X-Men, and Spider-Man was my basically uh, my my main, main go-to's for many many years. So, um, but yeah, the Clandestine was always an interesting looking book, and um, Alan Davis is a phenomenal artist. So, I'm gonna go back and read those at some point. But yeah, this is this is something I had no idea what they were, what their backstory was. But um, I always thought it was UK Marvel UK books. But you, we talked about it before before the show. It's interesting to, to to use these different aspects of Marvel because it's might as well, right? And because to me, the Inhumans—I wouldn't say it's tarnished necessarily. It's it's almost tarnished with the ABC series, but I feel that you can use them later on. You don't have to use them right now. And I think Miss Marvel just using what they have, do, what they're doing right now with the Clandestines and and Nor Nor where their their dimension is, it's perfect. I'm I'm super into it. And again, I think. By adding this different um, uh, dimension, no pun intended, wink, wink, uh, with this different dimension and aspect to the character and the comic books, you open yourself to having more possibilities of introducing different characters that maybe aren't necessarily a part of the original clandestine comic books, but now you can bring them in a different Avenue. And I think that to me is what shows you how good Marvel's it. Marvel is, is that they, I've always said before, they don't just straight ad- do a straight adaptation. They combine things and make them kind of make more sense. And I think this makes perfect sense so far. I'm, I'm into it. I don't think the Kree are out of it yet. Like, I think they're still heavily tied to this Marvel. But but yeah, I like this aspect a lot.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that this is what Marvel Studios has done very well before in terms of being very selective, but then knowing where they want to adhere closer to the source material versus where they want to pick something up that is extra obscure as these characters are or this concept is from uh, the comics and then say, well, let's we can use this, we can make something of this that perhaps was even bigger than what was there in the comic books, because it's, these are characters that if I've ever read a story with the clandestines in them in a Marvel comic book, I forgot about it. So it, it's not, and it maybe it's happened, but um I, I don't really, I, I cannot claim to know these characters very well, but I think this is where, you know, this is how you help build out the world is is using some of the stuff that isn't As well-known and isn't maybe necessarily as fully developed of an idea that's been in a bunch of comic books and is super well-known that you can use this to kind of flesh out other things and just combine it and enhance a story as they're doing here, I think, with Miss Marvel. So all of that stuff, I think they tend to do a great job of finding the right balance with those things. I think this is another example of it. And really enjoying it so far. And and look, the Cree slash humans they don't have to be part of Miss Marvel's origin. So I don't want anyone to take the speculation as saying, well, this is kind of the angle it needs to be in order to ultimately be satisfying. If we're just talking about the Djinn and the Noor dimension, that's fine. That's enough. And the Cree connections will be not so much part of Kamala's past, but maybe her future when she's teaming up for uh, Captain Marvel, even if the only Cree connection is that Miss Marvel helps Captain Marvel fight off some Kree sleeper cells that were referred to in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. So uh, as far as where, how they've introduced this concept in this episode, I really liked. Um, And then I, I also like, we're talking about the past for Kamala Khan and her family, but we're also looking at the past of the MCU. When Kamala fills in Bruno about all of this, and now she needs him because he's good at math, right? Uh, needs him to become an expert on interdimensional travel, so she can find out how exactly she can help send the clandestines home. Uh, he just so happens to have read a paper about that very subject by Doctor Eric Selvig. But at least that makes sense. Normally, it's the kind of thing and that I would totally roll my eyes at, and I maybe rolled my eyes like halfway when I first heard, it. and it's like, well, hold on a minute, Selvig is an expert on all things. I mean he invented sticks to block the convergence in Thor, the dark or to harness the power of the convergence in Thor, the dark world. So he is very smart and he can't figure things out. So, uh, and I trust that Bruno is is smart enough to learn from Selvig's uh, instructions. So that part I, I was good with. Um, I also, there was a really good scene. I mean, it's a small scene, but I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really strong, really powerful and, and well-performed when agent Deaver and uh, damage control show up at the mosque that Kamala Khan goes to And uh, Sheik Abdullah is there, as well as uh, Nakia. And when Damage Control wants to look around the place, they ask for a warrant and send Damage Control packing, which I totally loved. And then when you see uh, Nakia reacting to that as she goes to visit Kamala Khan, their friendship, I I think, was just, it's super charming. It's super fun. I like that Kamala Khan calls her squishy, like, what's wrong, squishy? Talks about, oh, is this about dance practice? Because, you know, you can get on my level. All of that was great. Nakia doesn't know who uh, that Kamala Khan is Nightlight yet at this point in the story, but she tells Kamala what happened with damage control at the mosque, and it's good Muslim versus bad Muslim self-surveillance, self-surveil our people sort of thing. But uh, the victory in all of that is not just Nakia successfully sending damage control packing. Uh, but also that she is a board member. She won that seat, so she just decided to run last week, and now she's already a victor. So yes, that plot line moved very, very, very quickly. But that's not really what it's about for me. I think showing the strength of Nakia as a as a, of Nakia as a character, as we saw in the scene before this, um, but also just this friendship with uh, Kamala and Nakia that I, I really enjoyed. So uh, when I talk about just sweet moments between characters, I, I think. The 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 biggest the ones with the biggest heart are the moments that we get between uh, parents and kids later on in this one, but I I this friendship moment too.
1: Yeah, this was a uh, I, the one thing this series has done a really good job of, and I think it gets better throughout the series. Is the relationships that. Uh, Kamala has all her friends and her family, and just you talk about talk about the heartwarming like moments and everything like the very kind of connecting to the characters. That's one thing I really underestimated about this the show completely, and I've been really touched by a lot of a, a lot of the different things in in it in, uh, with it. Right, so I think to me, I love seeing the, the aspects of just you know when she when 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 she tells her. Um, that, you know, they came looking for nightlight and Kamala's just like, Oh, what? Like, you know, she just is like, Oh crap. Like they're on my, they're on my trail. I love that. Like I loved, I love seeing that and her hiding it from her friend, you know, it's just, there's a lot of great stuff here and you see, you, you get to see her kind of be natural and also panic and it, it felt very Peter Parker to me, which I love. I love that aspect of it and I think that's something I I don't remember it being as prominent in the comics and maybe again I haven't read a ton of Miss Marvel comics back in the day but that's something that I felt like maybe was lacking a little bit in those issues. I don't remember them super well and I'm not sure what that says about me or the books themselves but um, that being said I still like them. But I definitely like the idea of bringing up this idea of she's protecting herself and maybe not doing a, such a great job of protecting herself. And she's like, oh, no, like they're 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 here, like they're investigating. This, this is not good. And I don't know. I, I like the this aspect of that. She's got a, a friend like Bruno um, that knows who she is at this point. And she's like trying to figure out like the balance of it. Right. And so. Um it, it's just it's we're getting a different aspect of it. And I really liked seeing this and her, her family. And I liked seeing damage control come in and just kind of, you know, d- get get thrown out you know, on their ear, basically, and everything. And uh yeah, it was it's just a it good you're 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 pushing plot through very naturally, very fast. Yes, I agree with that, but that's the one thing I'll give her credit for. These are things you kind of expect to happen, like her winning the seat. They set that all up in the last episode. So when you move it fast, Sean, it, it, you know, and you probably agree with this. It, it makes sense. You just kind of go with it. Like, oh, yeah, you knew that was going to happen. They, 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 they did a great a great job of showing you what's going to happen in that last episode. So now when it shows up, they can just go hit the ground running. Don't worry about it. And it, and they don't. They don't waste time trying to explain the whole thing. Right. So, in fact, the whole damage control scene is basically explaining who she is now. And it was a great thing of uh, showing the character character. Uh, and also what, what, what damage control is going through at the same time, like what they can't just kind of rush, you know, rush in somewhere and do whatever the hell they want. They actually still have to do by go by laws. So it was a great, again, this is clever writing of pushing narrative forward. That's very natural and not just hitting us over the head with obvious things. So I've been very impressed on how they're presenting a lot of different aspects of these characters as they go along.
0: Yeah, Nakia got that great line when she was asked about you know where she got her legal knowledge from. Law and Order reruns, but I'm not wrong. Uh, I thought that was that was pretty awesome. That made me laugh. So the next, so true. Yeah, yeah that's where uh, so many of us got our law degrees. Um, so uh, the next thing that we see is the Mendy, the the celebration before the wedding um, between Amir and Taisha, and so we find out that Kamala's grandmother Sana couldn't make the trip. That is Muniba's mother. Uh, Auntie Shireen is there. Uh, Muniba reveals that Sana not only is missing her son's wedding, but that figures because she missed Muniba's wedding as well. And it's Aunt Shireen who points out mothers and daughters, it is the eternal struggle, which certainly represents the struggle that's been hinted at between Muniba and her own mother, and also what we've just plainly seen between Muniba and her daughter, Kamala. And Muniba even thinks that Nightlight's mother should be ashamed of herself because of all the trouble that this nightlight girl must be causing. And this is the exact opposite of what Kabbalah Khan needs to hear, but it's pretty consistent with what we have seen so far. And it is the challenge, the emotional conflict at the heart of this with this mothers and daughters, the eternal struggle. You have characters in Muniba and Kamala who undoubtedly love each other very, very much but don't necessarily understand each other, um, or at least Kamala fears that she's not uh, totally understood by her mother. And that's a reasonable concern based on what we've seen so far. And, And this is a moment where Kamala probably would feel like all she wants to do is tell her family what's going on with her. And that is something that gets brought up multiple times in the episode, and she just can't. And there are a lot of reasons why she can't. All the normal superhero reasons and secret identity things of why a hero can't reveal who they really are and protecting their family and all of that stuff, especially when Kamala's already concerned that her actions as Nightlight have brought uh, attention, unwanted attention from damage control to her mosque and inevitably could come to extend to her family, her entire community, all of those things that Kamala Khan is, uh, is of course, concerned about and then also her mother's approval, and now here's an early sign that her mother is uh, not going to approve of Kamala's actions as a superhero. Speaking of which, Bruno could not make it to the Mendy, but he did leave a gift for Kamala, and it is the mask that will be part of her costume later on in the series, but Kamala is outside when the Sheikh Abdullah, uh, Abdullah comes out and she's asking about Nightlight and what he thinks of this person. And, and I like that he turns it back on Kamala. What do you think? And gets Kamala a chance to share her voice and just process her thoughts and voice her perspective on the matter. And then is also wondering what she can do, what Nightlight can do, um, or how Nightlight can convince everyone that she's a good person. And the Sheikh Abdullah says, uh, good is not a thing you are, Kamala. It's a thing you do. That is, uh, of course, a line straight out of the Miss Marvel comic books. It is a fantastic line um, that I just I've I've always loved, and it was great to actually hear it spoken aloud in this series. It's such a great lesson, and anytime you can take all the heroic cliches that we have heard over and over and over again, and distill it down into something as simple and to the point and as effective as this is. Um, at making the point that it's making. I I absolutely love because that's really what it all comes down to. Good is not a thing you are. It's a thing you do. It's the choices you make. It's your actions. It's the sum total of all of those things, not necessarily some state of being that you always get to have. It is good is a thing you do. It's the things you keep doing uh, or not doing or whatever the case may be. Uh, I just I love that line so much. And the way that, uh, you know, and of course, the way it will impact Kamala, not just in that moment where she first heard it, but undoubtedly uh, guiding her in her journey forward. All of that was just beautiful. And that's why I think this episode was so strong, because these scenes are not super long, but just the dialogue in them. And then, of course, the performances by the actors are so dialed in. They make I mean, these words are are beautiful, but they make every single word count in these scenes, and they they all just land um, and make a, a tremendous impact.
1: Yeah, I, I really liked the heart of this. This series has been again. We talked a lot about it, and I think we'll we'll probably continue to talk about. I think the strength of this series is, is the heart that it has, and I love seeing it, Kamala kind of find herself within her own. You know, within her own family, as far or as far as like her identity and like you know who she is as a person is part of you know part of her family and all those things you're you're saying, the sayings and everything. And then also within her own her own individuality that she has, right? her own like her own imagination. And it feels very much like you know coming in the whole classic you know coming to your you know coming of age story. And this is pretty much it. You 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 know, like a lot of us, we have so much of our families and our upbringings around us, but we also have our individuality that makes us who we are. And you combine those things, it makes you a very unique person. And it's everybody, right? And I think that this is a good emphasis of, of, of a great example and I think a story for kids to to watch and to really see and, and to to show that like you know, the people around you have wisdom. You may not always agree with them and like what they have to say. But there's wisdom a lot. Your family has a lot of wisdom, a lot to you know, bestow on you. And but it doesn't mean you have to be just exactly like them either, right? And that's one thing I've really been awesome, and really liked about the series is that just the emphasis of family. Because <clears throat> excuse me, because when we watch these other movies, Sean, you know, we don't really get a lot of family time, right? Like the most we have is maybe uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Was and I'm, I'm saying like you know, family like your aunts, your uncles, you know, things like that. Not like your family, like the Guardians of the Galaxy family, you know, something like that. But I'm saying like something, you know, you're you're growing up and you know, what have you. There's not a, we don't have a lot of that, maybe besides what Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier series. And that's very much wasn't an emphasis. This is a whole emphasis. And it's been really refreshing to have that be the backdrop of the story opposed to just, you know, uh, an older character and things like that. It's just, it's nice to see, uh, you know, with Spider-Man you have Aunt May, but that the, the stuff that we already, that she's going through, we, we already assume that, you know, Tom Holland's character went through and seeing all this go on has been really nice. And to see her learn. And, and again, it's not like she's got, there, there's a big tragedy in her family that she has to like, you know, avenge like an uncle Ben or, or what have you, but I do, or Aunt May in this MCU, uh, world universe, excuse me. Um, so it's been really nice to kind of see a different idea of a family kind of backdrop and being and showing her support has also drive. I think the character with a confrontation with her mom. And again, I like the idea of like, you know, working through your issues with your family, but I definitely like what we're getting from this, having this, this family be such an, an important emphasis for the character. It's really refreshing for the MCU. And I think, I think it's just going to this is a a huge advantage, I think, for the series. And I think I hope Marvel embraces younger characters like this as far as embracing or not even younger characters, embracing families, I think, in more films in general when they're needed to, you know, to be. Obviously, don't shoehorn them in for anything. But having this kind of idea of the backdrop of the family, you know, kind of pushing the narrative forward a lot has been really nice and I think really refreshing for the MCU overall.
0: I agree. And uh, as we press on with the episode, Bruno uh, warned gets an opportunity to warn Kamala that uh, in order to send them home, they going to need something somewhere around the base energy of the sun, which means there is a big margin for error, which means things might go boom. And Kamala is thinking that, well, it's only might, and thinking trying to find some way to do this because she wants to help. And she believes she has the bangle for a reason. But has some doubts of what that reason is because she says, obviously, I can't be a superhero. Then she finds out, because Bruno shares, that he got into Caltech, as we learned last week. He knows he needs to go, but he also has to make sure that everything, but really, you know, Kamala and everything, uh, are going to be okay. This line from Kamala, when I talk about these scenes being so quick, so fast, but getting so much across, just checking in with Kamala Khan saying, obviously, I can't be a superhero. Here she is over the first two episodes, it's all she ever dreamed of being. And she's really only had a couple cracks at being a superhero you know, at AvengerCon. And then, uh, of course, last week where she saved the kid, it didn't go smoothly, but it didn't take much to kind of shake Kamala's confidence. But I don't think it's just because of what happened in those incidents. I, I think it also has to do with Wanting to know whether or not doubting that she would have the approval of her family, not being sure that she would be embraced by or have the approval of her community, and all the negatives that she's seen, the negative consequences, regardless of whether or not they're deserved, just what she's seen with this attention from damage control. And now she's starting to question and doubt herself and whether or not she's worthy of this and feels like she's just there to kind of be a vessel uh, and, you know, a temporary holder of that bangle. To move it along to something else, and, and someone, something, someone else who is more deserving. But it's going to be a great moment when you see, with all of those doubts, Kamala Khan gaining the confidence of, of knowing and accepting that she does have it for a reason. But the reason is her to be a superhero and and, and to wield it to do good. Um, but I, I love the way they set that up, just by you know showing those seeds of doubt that Kamala Khan has. And then we talk about mothers and daughters, the eternal struggle. Well, it's not always a struggle uh, in just a, a beautiful scene between Muniba and Kamala. Kamala is tending to the wounds that she suffered as Nightlight, working on the name, but she says she fell off a bike, so that way her mother doesn't question it. And Kamala asks Muniba if she's ever felt like she was up against the world, like you wanted something so bad, and then it actually happened, but in reality... It's just not as great as you imagined it. And Muniba says, yes, America was her mountain. She and her husband Yusuf, they dreamed of coming here. But when they got here, it was so hard. He was working all the time for very little money. And Muniba at the time barely spoke English. And she never felt so alone in her whole life, as she tells Kamala. And Kamala is wondering what helped her. She found the mosque. She found friends. She found family. And quote, I let them and I let them love me whatever mountain you're facing, you don't have to do it alone. And this, of course, moves Kamala to tears, and they hug. But Kamala so badly wants to tell her mom what's going on right now, uh, but she can't. But that scene, I think there's been so much in this show that shows, you know, Muniba not understanding Kamala, and maybe not always believing in her, but it comes from a place of Muniba wanting to protect her child. It comes from a place of love, even if it may be misguided, even if it isn't necessarily um, as understanding as maybe those of us who see the good in Kamala, because we see the stuff that Muniba never does. And But you see that deep down, like there is obviously this unconditional love that this mother has for her daughter. And On this level, even if she doesn't yet know exactly what Kamala is going through, and that's going to be even more challenging by the end of the episode, if Kamala could just let her mother in, like, here's Muniba revealing how much she would be able to relate. That idea that having a dream and getting what you've always wanted is not the end of the story—it's not the happy ending, roll credits or close the book or or whatever it may be, as it often is in fiction— that sometimes just achieving your dream is the start of something, It uh, is even the start of your greatest challenge, something that you never expected. And so there, there's, of course, wonderful and essential life lessons in what they've shared there and, and in that connection and in Muniba's story specifically, and how that relates to what Kamala is going through right now that I really, really loved. I mean, when the heart doesn't get much bigger than it does in, in this scene. I, I just thought it was terrific. I thought it was in, incredibly moving.
1: Yeah, this is kind of more of echoing what I was saying earlier about the internal struggle, which we get both the good and the bad, obviously, in this episode of, you know, the mother and the daughter kind of, you know, at odds a little bit. And the idea that, you know, even though you may not see eye to eye and there is sometimes issues there, there is still connection you still can connect. And I, I love that message because I think that this is a, this is a mess- message that I think is lost in a lot of people in not just families, but outside everything to be quite honest. And I think that, you know, we need to connect as people more in general. And I think this is a great example of two people that are very much, you know, the yeah, dynamics are different because it's mother and daughter, but I do think that I like the idea that they're, they're, the show is going out of their way to show that even though her mom may not be right all the time and may not, may be harsh or whatever you want, you know, again, your, your, your opinion is of the mother. I actually really like the mom. I think I actually understand and, and respect. Yeah. I, yeah, I
0: don't, <laughs> you know? yeah. Don't take that as me saying muniba has been a bad mom or anything like that. Quite the opposite. No, no, of course. I, I yeah, think yeah. what you're seeing here, and I think what this scene reveals is I, I think it's on the surface level, you look at how Muniba has acted toward Kamala and you can think, well, she just doesn't get it if she could just understand kamala then she would know like how good kamala is and that even though it's a different approach than what muniba has found valuable and look there are reasons that we haven't seen yet right there's obviously a lot of history between muniba and her own mother that is informing her perspective of her relationship with her own daughter and so that is that's part of what happens as part of what can make it the eternal struggle that, Aunt Sh- that Auntie Shireen is referring to in this, but I, I think what makes it so strong is that what this scene really reveals is, even though on the surface there is a challenge at this moment in time in their lives for Kamala and Muniba to understand each other, deep down they love, understand, and get each other more than they could ever know. and mm-hmm. And that yeah. is there and that is present and that's what's communicated in this scene. And I think as a viewer, that's the that's the optimism, right? That's how you know that this is going to work out because there is a connection that they're both aware of, and that we're a mother and daughter, and, and yes, we love each other, and we're connected, and we're family, and we're all of that. But it's much more profound than just the cliches, and, and I think that's what this scene uh, reveals. And and I think it's uh, I, I think it's just beautiful. And then you know, mm-hmm. pressing on with the episode, Kamala texts uh, Kamran to tell him that she's just. Unsure about helping, because it could be dangerous. Needs a little more time, and he's good with that. Says, focus on the wedding. And then, uh, as we're preparing for the wedding, we get another great scene, this one between a father and son, between Yusuf and uh, Amir. And Amir is worried that he only has $732, $732.49 in his checking account. Yusuf is surprised that he has that much. Amir is wondering, uh, is fearful, of course, at this particular moment of his life, wondering if he's ready for it, because he, as he said, he's a little bit low on funds, doesn't necessarily feel like he's going to be able to provide. And uh, Yusuf, of course, is telling him about what his life will be after he finishes grad school and all of that. But where it gets really deep and just lovely to hear is the the speech that Yusuf gives his son, Saying that uh, a man has, uh, you know, every person has one fundamental choice to live a life in fear or love. And Amir is choosing love because h- there he is standing before his family, her family, committing to the love of his life. And Yusuf says, You are brave, my son, because you have chosen family. And the man who chooses family is never alone. Beautiful line. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you could just get choked up reading that, but <laughs> or hearing mm-hmm. it. Uh, just extraordinary. And at a moment where, you know, this son really needs it from his father, because obviously he's taking this massive step in his life where he's going to be the husband and, and perhaps eventual father of a family and, and wondering if, if he's ready for this step and, and having a lot of reasons to doubt whether or not he is. But Yusuf's pointing out that, well, the, the true measure of it is that he is actually taking that step. And he loves, uh, he loves his fiancée. And he's ready. And from that perspective, he is ready to get married. And he's, he's making this choice, as he said, choosing family. And with that, he'll he'll never be alone. And it, and it's a great juxtaposition with the scene between Kamala and, and her mother, because that's what uh, her mother just talked to her about. Mm-hmm. in that idea of whatever mountain you're facing, you don't have to do it alone if you're choosing family. So I know it's family, family, family but it's done in a much more sincere way than Dominic Toretto ever said uh, in this series for Miss Marvel so far, uh, and, and I just love it. I, I can't get enough of this uh, sort of stuff. Sure, fine, it's sappy, it's cheesy, corny, whatever you want to call it. I don't care, it's well-written, it's, well, it's beautifully performed, uh, and, and I just love it so much, and it, and it really provides emotional depth to this series yeah. that, yes, it is a ton of fun, and there's a ton of laughs and all of this stuff, but man, the heart in this series um, is so apparent, and, and it's just right there, uh, you know, pumping through this third episode. It, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I, this is the this is the this is the stuff that I think that we again we don't get enough of this. I think in the MCU in general, and I really like to have again the, the time you're spending with a family and learning and, and and again this is stuff that you can watch with your kids and i think that even though marvel i, th- it, I definitely think you can watch it with most kids and everything this seems like more appointment viewing as an overall family and i love that i like that aspect that you know it's not just meant for you know every you know just it's end game all the time we can't get we can't have the same things you know they can't everything can't be on the same level and epic it's just things will get boring and, and stagnant and stale and you need to bring in. You need to try different things, and you know, and, and maybe not everything is is gonna hit, right? You know, the MCU is not gonna hit every single time. You know, the Eternals didn't set the world on fire. I liked it okay, you know, or or whatever, right? Whatever thing people want to complain about. And but the thing is, I think when you have these aspects of these characters and you're you're bringing these different as you know these different ideas and themes. You need to have that to keep refreshing, you know, keep things interesting for everyone, including I think kids that are, you know, growing up and the, and the people who will be looking up to Kamala, and I think in her her own journey that they are either going through themselves in some ways at her age or close to her age or will be coming to that point in you know three four years from as a watcher as as little ones, and I think that there's something really special there, and I think the scene, I think the emphasis of Of, you know, because again, family means so many different things to people, right? I mean, and so when like the dad says that and and you can interpret that, which which was great about art, you can interpret that for anything. And I think family just says when you embrace the people you love, and that's the way I treat it as, um, and I'm sure no one would disagree with that, but when you embrace people you love around you, that's when you know like you're doing the right thing. And that's something I definitely, I love the emphasis of, of that in this episode and, and in general i mean look at bruno right like he's like one of the fa- he's a member of the family and i it's just kind of he's he's just integrated in there and i think that's it what i like about this and i'm going to bring up uh back to the future for a second actually is what what i love about it is that there's they don't have to explain the relationship like doc and and, and marty's relationship is established right and you don't have to go in the backstory to explain, like, how did Marty meet Doc? You know, it's just like they there's close. They have a closeness for you just see. You, you accept it. And I love when you have, you know, a good writing and you have good actors playing their, their parts, you accept that. And you don't have to worry about that part. I think Bruno is a great example. You accept that she's good friends, but, like, she's more than just good friends with her, that the family trusts him. And that he's established themselves with them, you know, in the, in the parts where he's talking about the, you know, the, the, uh, in, in, the, the demons and all those uh, 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 you know, mystical creatures that her dad's like telling them all about and everything. And I just like that. I think that emphasis, the emphasis, the excuse me, the emphasis of family is so nice here that extends beyond like this her ex, her old family, but like you know, like Bruno and things like that. I, I love that aspect of the show.
0: Yeah, I think it's really really strong. And then we get to the actual wedding, which is a whole lot of fun. And I mean, it's just gorgeous from costume design, production design, the dance choreography, like everything about this wedding was just fantastic. I mean, well, the initial ceremony, uh, you know, the, that we get. And then um, in between that and the reception, we get a scene between Kamran and, and Najima where we see that she is not going to be as patient as Kamran. She is not willing to wait until after the wedding. As she says, I'm not asking anymore. And, and she's also not really bothered by the potential danger of it, just always knew that that was going to be a part of it, which Kamran uh, did not know. Strategically, I, I'm a, a little, I know things are, are happening fast in this series, but, um, and sometimes that's all right. This was one where I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know these characters have been waiting a long time to find that bangle and make their way home and all of that. But I would just think that they would have had the patience to, I don't know, give Kamala a minute or work on that relationship a little bit more to convince Kamala to help them willingly. Might have been a more effective strategy than just going on the attack uh, when Kamala hesitates after their first ever meeting with her. I don't know. Something about that just felt a little, I I don't know, force is the wrong word. It it, it just felt sped up in, in a way that didn't totally feel Uh, natural within the story. Um, But nevertheless, I mean, I I think there is something about it, right? There is the more aggressive reaching for the Bengal and one of the the visions, you know, appearing in the light uh, last week and and everything like that. So, and and also, you know, these characters were banished, right? They were exiled. and, And one of the words in the legend was damned, right? So, they maybe they did something in the NoR dimension that that got them here, and they deserve to be banished. And there's something about them, um, besides just aggressively wanting to get home, the fact that they can't be home in the first place might have something to do with it. So it it doesn't come completely out of nowhere. It, it, it seems a little rushed. It's it's fine. It's just not a, as great as I. It's not as well fleshed out as I think it could have been. Um, but regardless, like the rest of the the wedding before we get into the, the actual fight stuff. All of that was uh, was just awesome. And also, uh, there is a Sana Amanat uh, cameo, co-creator of Miss Marvel, an executive producer on this series. Uh, when you see somebody watching all the dancing and clapping along and the camera punches in, that's her. Uh, the cover band is Brown Jovi. They also perform Sweet Sixteens and Quinceañeras, uh, which sets up the needle drop that we are about to get <laughs> a little bit later on in this. And then Come Run arrives with a warning which uh, interrupts what would have been Bruno's uh, slow dance with Kamala. And then the djinn show up and the fight is on. Uh, But before we get into the fight, Paul, I I thought this whole wedding sequence was just spectacular. I, I loved it.
1: Yeah. Again, it was it was good to kind of get get an insight on on something I, I've never seen much of. It was really fun. It looked like a lot of fun. I gotta say, I, I like a way way more fun than any of the weddings I've been to in a long time. To be honest, <laughs> no offense for weddings I've been to, uh, but just just it like way more like just kind of a livelier party. And uh, yeah, I. I, I liked all this. It was, again, I've never seen a wedding that, like this done before. So it was, it was very, again, this is why, this is why these things are important to have diversity. Cause there's things that I just, am just ignorant of and I have no idea. And, and it was good to get, you know, a, a lesson and seeing something completely different that I've never seen before. And so, and I have no shame admitting that it is the first time I ever saw it. And, uh, and just, and I'm glad I did. And I'm glad to learn something. And this is why it's good to learn about other people's cultures and things mm-hmm. like that. It's, it's interesting. So, yeah, I loved all this, and I think this stuff is important to uh, to see on screen. And and again, it was again done really really well, and made me want to go to a wedding like this one day, hopefully yeah. soon.
0: Well, I also loved in the ceremony itself, right? The mm-hmm. having to say "I do" three times, not just yeah, once but I three know. times, to really affirm that commitment. Yeah. I, I thought just made it that much more sacred, that much more powerful. I, I really, uh, no, I I loved it. And I thought this whole sequence was just, uh, it, it was just terrific. And then yeah. when we get into the fight and the gin show up, I don't know. Maybe it's because the song is just too basic. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, there's no, like, I'm going to shout the same thing everybody else shouts whenever somebody talks about being halfway there. So, like, I'm not, like, above this song at all. And it's New Jersey, so Bon Jovi is par for the, cor- uh, par for the course. All of that, totally fine. Um, I I guess at this point, I'm just, I am a little bit desensitized to living on a prayer, but it was still fun um, as part of this. What I, I liked about this sequence, though, from an action standpoint, was just kind of the evolution of Kamala's powers, even in ways that it's more like when she's starting to shield herself, like she's using it with projecting things from her hands, but then it just kind of starts like enveloping her body more, almost like a reflex, you know, when she like, like this whole thing is so in sync, like it knows when the the Bengal, the Noor, the power that she has, like it just, and her, the powers that are within her uh, becoming, uh, it's, she's gaining more control of it in a way where it almost looks like the absence of control because she's doing things she's not even necessarily trying to do, but that's just part of being uh, in sync with it to where it can become a reflex. So all of that, and it also just shows you, right, that like Kamala Khan's going to be a tough out. You can't uh, defeat her easily because she takes some hits in here but that uh, nor uh, power, that light is actually able to protect her in a lot of ways. But then she gets in some offense and that moment where it's the embiggened fist that uh, punches one of them one of the clandestines to save Bruno and then she just like swings it and just takes out a, a whole bunch of those gin. That was awesome. like I, I totally geeked out for that moment. Great superhero moment at, at the right scale for this character right now. I mean it, it feels, it's in a very small setting. It's just in like this banquet hall or hotel or whatever uh, where they were having the wedding. But it, it plays big and it, and it plays like this great superhero moment. And it's also a moment that I think Kamala Khan needed because there she was earlier in this episode saying, "Obviously, I can't be a superhero." Well, obviously, you can because we're seeing it right here and right now. Uh, that I just I, I loved about all of that. And then you know the resolution of the fight fairly quick. Just when it looks like Kamala is trapped. Uh, We do also see that uh, Kamran can also fight on his own. Um, But anyway, when it looks like Kamala is trapped, damage control comes in, makes the save. Not that they were trying to help Kamala, but they were trying to grab whatever enhanced individuals they could, and they arrest the Jinn. Kamala gets away uh, with Bruno, and then, of course, Nakia is there, and she gets to find out that her friend Kamala Khan uh, is Nightlight. But this action sequence, I I thought, was a lot of fun. Um, But the way it really... The way it incorporated and expanded on Kamala's powers, uh, I thought was the the most fun part about it. And as I said, to just at the right levels, hitting these uh, superhero moments for Kamala Khan, and and that was, I think, the best part of it for me, the strongest part.
1: Yeah. I, first of all, I thought the 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 song was perfect. That's just me. I, I mean, I grew up on '80s pop radio like this, and my mom and dad blasting this in the car. You know, and I just I, I don't listen to it all the time myself, but I have an affinity for it and I, I do enjoy it. I felt it was a, a perfect kind of uh, uh, overhead for what's going on as far as the fun aspect of what's going on. Um So it worked for me. I could see why it wouldn't work for everybody, but it just it kind of added to, I think, to the, the light uh, flavor of the series, you know, that not take it. Not to be super dark or anything like that. So it was nice to kind of get kind of more of a fun kind of feel for things and and which which Miss Marvel's been mostly pretty fun. Sure. Um so oh yeah, I again, can't
0: challenge it creatively. It's my own issue of that, being overexposed fair. to the song because like look, that's I've fair. heard the song many, many times. I enjoy Damn. the song. I've just spoiled Damn. myself on it.
1: That's fair. And that's fair. Um I I too love the power power levels and this is why i talked about earlier that i think this this version of miss marvel is even better than the comic is comics i think from a power standpoint it's just so much more interesting to look at and i think it's you know the stretchy powers are fun and can be funny but this is so much more dynamic and i think it's a lot more i think uh just, just interesting to look at, and just I don't know. There's, there's something about how she uses the powers. Just, it just is way more fun, I think, and, and interesting than to me than the whole stretchy bit that she does. And like you said, like the, the way she uses her powers in this episode. Like I love the the little steps she does. That you know, at first I when I saw that I was kind of you know in the trailers or whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. But when I see it now after three episodes, you know, going into it, it just, I like it now. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I love the whole force field kind of aspect of the character and there, and I like this aspect of her. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. And I think that I love seeing the fight scenes with her um, and the fact that she could take him on. And And I think that's really cool that we're getting the development of this character with only one, you know, Bongo. Right. Like this is we're seeing her do this with only one, which will then set her up for when she gets her two, that she can actually go on toe to toe with some like big heavy hitters. So which will be cool. Um, And I, I'm. I'll be honest, seeing her kind of struggle against these people, which you know, these aren't slouches. These guys are pretty much warriors, right? Um, that being said, I'm very interested to see the, the development of her as a superhero in general and learning how to fight and things like that. That's going to be really cool for, I think for me to see because who teaches her that, right? Like right now we don't really know. And, and she might have to learn herself how to fight, which I kind of like that aspect too, because, you know, we have other people saying, well, you know, We got to learn how to fight. We got to learn from this person or that person or, you know, I feel with this, she's going to have to learn like actually by herself. And, and I think it's really interesting, not just like, you know, how to use your powers, but how to, you know, make buy in a fight. So, uh, really cool stuff here that I really liked. And uh, yeah, setting up with damage, I, dude, I'm not going to lie. I loved it when damage control came in. I thought that was really interesting because I, I wasn't expecting that. I expected, you know, the classic Miss Marvel comes in and takes them all out. With, you know, all, again, would have been fine. I would have been fine with that. But what was interesting was no damage control comes in, takes them away. And I'm like, OK, it's getting really interesting here. I love the introduction of damage control. Ah, uh, damage control. I think there's so much rich storytelling to be told with them, and you know, we talked about the, the old series, you know, that was greenlit, or they made a pilot, Sean, I think a while ago, or, some, or something like that. I think there were rumors about that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, like it
0: was. I don't even know if they actually shot a pilot for it. To be honest, I mean, it was something they were definitely developing, but yeah, yeah. And then you know, damage control is just kind of on the shelf, and and I know that they were. I know they're on a screen somewhere in one of the other MCU movies, but then, like, they don't really show up in anything for real, like, as actors playing parts in Damage Control until you get to uh, Spider Man Homecoming. But, um, and then even after that, you know, you don't get a ton of it. So having them, you know, come back in No Way Home and then having them, uh, of course, take on a a larger presence in this. And, And yeah, we've talked before about how this can certainly expand on. You know, damage control is you know kind of like a shield or sword, or just another one of those organizations that you can use to connect a lot of different characters um, through these various stories. And and yeah, whether that's like young Avengers champion stuff, because damage control seems to be spending more of their time on young enhanced individuals as opposed to uh, you know, the grownups, they're not exactly going after Thor or Valkyrie or or whoever. So, yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to see. Um, you know what we get from these characters going forward. and also it was a, I thought it was a, just a good way of bringing the fight to an end without having to have Kamala take the loss. Um, yeah, you know exactly. like it was just kind of a you know, you could say well, she would have lost well, we don't know. We don't know what would have happened. It's you know kind of a more of a stalemate than anything else. I mean, they had her trapped in that in the last room and she got out of it. so maybe she gets away on her own, maybe she doesn't. Um, and it just has that question of whether or not she can beat them like that is that gets to linger now as we move forward. But the last thing that happens before damage control barges in is that uh, Najma, uh, she reaches for the bangle, she touches it, and then we get another vision and light. And this time it is a train, uh, which remember we heard about uh, last week in the backstory for Kamala and her family. And then when Kamala gets back home, they know because somebody saw that Kamala pulled the alarm uh, and they're asking Kamala about it, if she did it and wanting to know who those people were that she was with, because they were all arrested. And Muniba says that they want to help their daughter, but they can't if they don't know what's going on. But of course, for all the reasons we understand, uh, Kamala just can't tell them. Muniba walks away, and also her dad, Yusuf, uh, walks away this time. He's normally the one who's a little softer, uh, a little easier on uh, Kamala in situations like these, but even he is disappointed, because look, from their perspective, they don't know what happened or why. Um, Meanwhile, Kamala's actions of pulling the fire alarm has uh, halted the wedding of their son, her brother. Um, So you could certainly understand why uh, they're upset. And also that Kamala just won't tell them what's going on. They want to help her, but they feel like she is uh, shutting them out. And, And it just goes into, I mean, We've seen such beautiful scenes in this episode. I mean, throughout this series, but in this episode in particular, that you know is going to get them through these moments, and it's going to be very sweet. When because I don't, I don't think Kamala is going to be because secret identities just don't last in the MCU. We know they don't, and and so eventually, I I think her parents are going to know the truth about her and um, the acceptance of Kamala Khan for all that she is, including Miss Marvel. Um, is going to be that much more satisfying and, and that much more moving because of where things are at right now in the story. Um, but then things end on an exciting note as Sana calls Kamala and says that she has to come to Karachi right now because, as she's asking Kamala, asking Kamala about seeing that train. Well, Sana, who wasn't there, she saw the train as well, and that is the end of our episode. So uh, really heartfelt ending that just kind of shows where things are at right now in, in the status of the family and, and not every, not all is well right now at this moment, even though we know uh, the, the love that is ultimately going to get them through it. But combining that with the excitement of now we're going to expand the story because Kamala has to travel in order to uncover more of the truth about her powers, her past, um, every, everything about her and, and her role in all of this. Uh, so I thought it was a, a really great ending to an episode that really, I think so far for me, it's three for three, like each episode better than the last of Miss Marvel. And I had very high expectations for this series because of uh, those comic books and, and how great they were when they were initially introduced and how uh, how highly I've thought of this character. So certainly I expected this to be an outstanding series, but it has exceeded my lofty expectations because of some of these moments that we highlighted in our conversation here about this episode. There is so much strong material in this, whether it's the writing, mm-hmm. the performances, uh, the music also is uh, fantastic in this series. There's so much that is working so, so well, and it is efficient, which isn't yeah. the most artful way to describe a story, and it doesn't seem like the highest compliment, but it is when i when I yeah. describing that efficiency that it's not just, oh, things move quickly enough. Yeah, maybe some things move a little too quickly, but for the most part, you have this pacing that keeps the story alive, it's vibrant, and all of those things, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't miss out on making moments count and really delivering on the emotion. It never undercuts the emotional core of this story and these characters, and I think that is why... Um, this series has been so effective in the storytelling so far and why I'm been why I've loved the first half of this series so far and, and can't wait for the second half.
1: I have been so surprised by the series so far. And Sean, I don't know if you've seen, uh, I know you're really busy. I'm not sure if, you, if you've watched any of the Stargirl CW series, which I I love. I love that series. and I feel like these two are very similar. They're different and one has a better budget than the other and that's miss marvel I'm just going to say it right now uh but i'm amazed of how good like star girl is because of the same ideas that they bring in this series they are very heavily emphasized on uh emphasizing on you know the relationships of the kids um real issues that we're talking about um it's interesting they're very similar in ways and they both I, it, to be honest, I'm, I gotta say, if you haven't checked out Star Girl and you like Miss Marvel, go check it out. It's really good. I, I love. I'm very much in a. Maybe I was a, I was the right time for Miss Marvel. No, for excuse me, for uh, Star Girl because I had, just became a dad, you know, and everything. I don't know, but anyway, there's weird,ly really cool similarities I think to this series. Um, and I, I've I've loved that series for a long time, Star Girl. And then so going to Miss Marvel wasn't a huge fan of that first episode. But as we've got, you know, gotten on, I have just been falling for the series completely. And I definitely think this is at at this point right now and halfway through, definitely one of the better uh, MCU TV series. And I think of all the things that we've gotten and what's cool about what the MCU series Overall is I think they've all kind of brought different aspects to them. I think like the WandaVision is definitely the more the artsy and I, and I understand the best way possible, more art creatively driven series. And you have Falcon Winter Soldier, which is more of like straight up the uh just a Marvel films extended a little bit. Uh Loki is a little bit more of a unique and just kind of different uh idea. Almost a more traditional, I think, TV approach, it seems like. again, these are just my opinions. Um, You know and so on and so forth. So Miss Marvel I think of all of them, even over Moon Knight at this point I would say has a more unique just something more unique and it seems more like you said efficient There's something more just it has its own voice Whereas the other things it seems like they're trying to do something else. Maybe that's it's without of its realm like it almost like It's almost especially with I think with Falcon Winter Soldier Moon Knight and I think Loki to a certain extent they definitely, to me, feels like well, here's a movie, but we're gonna extend it out and you know, flesh things out, which is cool, but it doesn't always fit, I think, in in the medium of of television series. Where I the reason I brought up Star Girl and I think Miss Marvel. This dynamic really fits and helps establish I think the TV medium really really well and I've been really impressed how they've been able to get that all together and it feels more naturally built for a, a, a Disney Plus series if you will so. Um. Again, not saying not, I'm not trying to take away from the other series necessarily, but it just feels more of a natural fit, if that makes sense. So, and I'm seeing that in these episodes. I'm loving what I'm getting. I can't wait to see her in costume and see everything, you know, kind of come into play. And to be honest, I want I can't wait to see you at the end of the series where she goes from here into the Marvels, and, and what does that mean? Like the cameos and things like that. Like I could bring up the creep. What does that all mean? There's so much more. We don't know what's going on. That makes it exciting to watch for me. So I'm loving Miss Marvel way more than I, I ever thought I would, to be quite honest. And I'm really excited to see where it ends because if it, if a trajectory is keeps going where it needs, where it's going, Sean, I'm going to say something probably pretty crazy at the end of it, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm waiting to see what happens. But right now, I'm very much very impressed and can't wait to watch the next episode.
0: Yeah, right now, for me, through three episodes, it's competing with WandaVision. You know, it's yeah. getting right up there. And and I don't think, like, we by the end of this, and I don't want recency bias to kind of take over or anything like that, I'll, I'll try to subscribe to the same thing as I do for movies and not try to immediately rank something because— um, for those of you who may be a little bit uh, new to the show, like my rankings don't mean anything anyway. I reserve the right to change them whenever I want, <laughs> as often as I want. But, you know, I, I talk about, you know, the Marvel masterpiece class for movies and for Disney Plus series. WandaVision is definitely in there. Um, and Miss Marvel is is on its way there with the way that it's going so far. And uh, yeah, I've just be I, I could not be more impressed with this series through the first three episodes. And I am so looking forward to the three episodes that we still have left. And I'm just so excited to see them and so excited to talk about them. But those are for other episodes. That's it for this episode of MCU Fan Show. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you're checking out Fan Show Plus for Obi-Wan Kenobi, spoiler reviews, and more MCU news, which you can catch at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus, you can find it there and subscribe. Follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Paul, where can they find you?
1: You can find me on the YouTube channel, The Comic Binge, where I just broke down almost 50 Doctor Strange comics that I read in the last month. And with Alex Grant from the Comic Book Historians uh, YouTube podcast and all that stuff he does and w- Facebook group, we had a blast. He had to a bail out a little earlier than I expected, but we just we di- we went and di- deep dives and tons of Doctor Strange comics and really where the trajectory of where the multiverse of madness takes you and where it's going to probably give us and I think that third film we really break down a lot of, of those those comics I think they're going to be uh, using for inspiration and it was a blast lots of, lots of great conversation on there and uh, yeah on the saga continues we have a lot of Kenobi stuff <laughs> a lot of Kenobi breakdown which you will get a more condensed version on on this podcast which you like shorter podcasts. This the uh, Patreon is definitely going to be for you in that regard because the saga continues, man. It's that was a, that was a crazy day for me. In a nutshell, I was uh, doing the uh, the podcast in a in a car with my daughter and my wife, in the <laughs> so it was a it was kind of insane day. Um, but yeah, it was a go check that out for Kenobi stuff. But yeah, but Patreon, we're going to break that, that mother down here a little more condensed and uh, a lot of fun. So yeah, check that all out and follow me on Twitter at Herman Twenty Two with two Ns, aka Pete Thug.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Take care. We'll see you next time.